Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation of Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. I just bumped my microphone with my beer. Sorry about that. Oh, look at you. That's a little bit of podcast fluid to keep this thing going. God, that's what you need, isn't it? Yeah. It's that time of day here. It is. Back on separate coasts, where we belong. Um, do you want to open some baseball cards to kick this show off, Adam? Baseball cards with Star Trek characters on them? Sounds yeah. great. Not baseball characters. The game is a five-card stud. The game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the card there. Time to pluck a pigeon. They're not even really characters, mostly. They're mostly just episodes. I feel like that's a concept you sell in the room. <laughs> So they're not baseball cards. Nope. <laughs> so they're cards of television show characters. Nope. <laughs> they're baseball cards about episodes of the show. Oh, I got a fun one. Oh, yeah? Right on the top. Ooh. I got a comic book card. Oh, cool. The, I have one the, of those. It's the cover of a comic book. It's DC's Star Trek The Next Generation, issue 77. Neat. Looks like some really angry Starfleet officers on the cover of this one. <laughs> Episode 77 is called Gateway. Four years ago, Solanogen-based life forms experimented on members of the Enterprise crew resulting in one casualty. Whoa. Lieutenant Ed Hagler, brother of Hornet Captain Nora Hagler. Now the aliens are back and Hagler wants revenge. Wow. You know... Starfleet officers tend to really be all about revenge, right? Yeah. That's a common theme in this show. Of, yeah. course, there, of course there would be a comic book about it. Could really use the, uh, the Leah Brahms revenge episode <laughs> that, that we know is coming. Yeah. I've got uh, a lot of repeats. I don't know if I have all these, but I know we've opened up every single one of these between the two of us. I've got Devil's Do. I've got... Time Zero Part 2. I've got When the Bow Breaks. I've got Yesterday's Enterprise. And the last one, uh, probably the funnest of the of the pack, is for The Last Outpost, the, uh, the episode in which we meet the Ferengi and the guy who tells them that they call him Tim. The dominant image on the car is that guy represented with beady little eyes, but in silhouette in front of him is Riker unmistakably standing on the edge of anybody canyon and uh man if we ever do another t-shirt adam i i really want to do an anybody canyon t-shirt yeah that would be ideal and someone put together a postcard for our show based on a different uh a different place but i feel like the visit anybody canyon tourist postcard would be a really great idea you know what oh i just had a great idea it's the Anybody Canyon t-shirt, but we get a shirt that's a deep V, and so it's all about that cleavage. You know what I'm saying? Is there an arrow that points to the V part? I'm with Anybody Canyon? Yeah. It's even more Rikery. It's, it's got a deep V. It's got Anybody Canyon, which is interpretable as a boobs joke, and it's sexy. 
And we can have it come from the Riker collection. <laughs> Did you say it's sexy with visible air quotes? <laughs> it's, a, it's a podcast. It's a non-visual medium, Adam. Which is probably related only slightly to the episode we're reviewing today. It's season 4, episode 17. The Halloween episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> Night Terrors. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled type to ramble on about something everyone knows is it really a halloween episode it sort of feels like a simpsons-esque treehouse of horrors episode of star trek the next generation yeah it sure does it's an episode that begins with some creepy creepy deepy music and uh the enterprise is like pulling into this star system that's got two two stars it's a binary star system and they are looking for a missing Starfleet ship called the USS Britain. And uh, within 20 seconds of entering this star system, they have found the Britain. Episode over. The idea of a ship being adrift for a couple weeks is scary as fuck, though. Mm-hmm. Like, and I might a few times this episode just go out there and just sort of make the case for why this shitty episode works but this is one of them like this is a real event horizon type opening like mm-hmm. ghost ship style yeah i i would concur with that conclusion the Britain. there's a lot of parallels with the uh with the shimoda episode what's the what's the shimoda episode time bandits naked now the naked now yeah yeah God, I can't believe I forgot that. That's foundational, man. I should be kicked off my own Star Trek podcast. <laughs> so the D pulls up alongside the Britain, and they do the scan for life forms. And, uh, and they get some weird signals back. So Picard decides to send over an away team. Troy is like, yo. I need to come too. They beam directly to the Britain's bridge. And they poke around for a good two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Before Riker walks to the bottom of the Britain's horseshoe and sees the captain with like a cutlass stabbed through his chest. Uh, yeah, was it a, a dude or a lady? I thought it was a lady captain. I-, I, I just meant like the royal his. Like, oh, sure, sure. The uh, weird part isn't the gender of the captain, Ben. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that this ship has been adrift full of dead bodies for weeks. And the smell isn't the thing that tipped them off. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Like, Riker sort of Riker squints at the gore in front of him. Yeah. But good lord, could you imagine how that bridge smelled? These officers have been dead for weeks. They, they make oblique references to these ships being self-cleaning every so often. And I wonder if... I wonder if that has uh, something to do with this. If, like, decay smells are are mitigated somehow automatically by the ship. Uh, but yeah, the, there are a bunch of dead bodies, and they are dead in all different types of ways. And, uh, and, and It's sort of a Nagillum wet dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got, uh, he got 100% this time. It went great. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Troy is like, hey, there is somebody alive here, and he's right behind door number two. And they, they pry this door open, and there's like a weepy and distracted man, you know, hunched up in the corner. And he's kind of like, he's not with it. He's not there in, in the present. 
but uh, he's alive and fairly unscathed seeming. So, uh, so they're looking at him, and, and Trey's like, this dude, this dude is Betazoid. I can just tell. I can tell by the darks of his eyes. <laughs> yeah. His jet black eyes, his huge, huge pupils. Um, it didn't seem, because he was not wearing a Starfleet uniform, that he was a member of the crew in the same way that Troy is. Did you get that sense? Yeah. Like, what was his role on that ship? This is a weird ship because it's also, there's also some people in those, like, dumpy uniforms that you see Federation scientists wearing from time to time. Yeah. Like, sitting at, at control panels. So, presumably, they're, like, bridge crew, but not officers or something. I don't know what's yeah. going on over here. And this is not a galaxy-class ship with families. This is a Del Sol-class yeah. starship. This is not even hood-class. Yeah, it's very sub-hood. So they bring this guy back on board, and they strap him to a six-bay bed, and they put Troy to work on him. They're like, can you get through to this guy? He's just catatonic. Yeah. He's not moving. He's not saying anything. So Deanna does that thing where she talks with her mind and her mind alone. Uh Uh-huh. She's like... Gets a little echoey. I'm right here. And he is not into either talking verbally or with his mind at this point. Yeah. He's, He's... spewing all sorts of sentence fragments and stuff that doesn't make sense. Out there. Voices. What you got is a shell-shocked Betazoid on your hands here. It's going to be a tricky bit of therapy to get him back on his feet. Um, And it seems at this point there is no music box left on the Bertain for (laughs) Troy to use on him as a prop. I wasn't anywhere near that system. I had nothing to do with destroying his mind. (laughs) It wasn't me, I swear It may have been another Dowd But not me, Captain Picard Genocide is not my bag these days I'm I'm more of a salesman I I attend adult conventions And ply my trade as the galaxy's foremost crafter of sex dolls (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't need to music box somebody. I can be open and honest about who and what I am now. That's the freedom you gave me, Captain Picard. You should have punished me for my crime, but instead, you gave me a beautiful gift. <laughs> I think I'm done. <laughs> you really... That's like the only on character a, we do anymore. <laughs> you took us on a beautiful journey there. Well, anyways, the order of business is like, well, let's bag up these bodies, bag them and tag them. Let's uh, <laughs> see what we can figure out about this one Betazoid that survived whatever happened. Let's get this ship, the Bretagne, powered back up and head back to Federation space. And then we can get on to our next adventure. At this point, like I think, is when they realize that the Bretagne is stuck in the mud and they can't really figure out why like all the engines seem good the you know deuterium injectors and plasma manifolds are great but whenever they put their foot down on the gas pedal it just spins its wheels and uh they're re-strategizing around the idea of towing the Bretagne uh with the tractor beam but uh meanwhile 
Dr. Crusher brings some uh, some captain's logs to Picard's attention. She's been looking through the uh, the captain of the Bretagne's YouTube channel, and uh, this woman is not super healthy looking. She looks pretty unhinged. She's like ripping at her hair while talking about, you know, paranoid delusions of her first officer trying to overthrow her. Adam, we know that a starship captain can basically be as crazy as they want to be, and their first officer will never go crimson tide on them and uh, remove them from power. I'm captain of this boat. Now shut the fuck up! Gotta believe that Picard's watching this video and going, that's never gonna happen to me. I mean... (laughs) First of all, I have no hair to rip out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we smash cut from this to like a bunch of dank Chiba clouds. Uh, Troy is is standing in in a room uh, as cloudy as a studio that Snoop Dogg is recording in. And uh, everything is green, so you know it's pot. And... uh, (laughs) And her feet are lifted off the ground, so she, you know she's high. And uh, she tilts toward camera so you can get a load of her sweet, sweet cleavage. And the two dots of light in the distance are, like, yelling crazy shit about two moons and two eyes or one moon one moon orbiting two eyes or whatever. And uh, she just keeps yelling. It's a yelling. total space Buffalo Bill voice, too. Like, they put it through the Buffalo Bill filter. <laughs> The Buffalo Builder? Uh, certainly they do, Adam. <laughs> Am I drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I got started early, Ben. So yeah, the this is, it turns out, a dream. You're going to fucking ding the Buffalo Builder, aren't you? <laughs> no. God damn it. <laughs> I'm, I typically ding funny things that you say. Not, not funny things that I say, Adam. All right, fine. So, pressure's on. If you if you don't want Buffalo Builder to be the title, it's on you. It's sending messages to Troy like, Was she a great big fat person? <laughs> Help me get this this settee in the back of my van. That actor is also in the movie Heat, and uh, there's a scene where uh, it's Pacino is is uh, is the cop, right? And he's like. Mm-hmm. He's got all his cops there, and, and Buffalo Bill is one of the cops. And he's like, mm. what were they looking at? What were they looking at over here? <laughs> and Buffalo Bill just goes, that's what we were trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I love that line so much that I wish it was in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're trying to figure out. <laughs> Your Pacino is... Is B plus. <laughs> like all B+. my impressions, it's not that great, not that terrible. <laughs> I sort of got who that was supposed to be. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so Troy's having these crazy nightmares about being in a a weed dream, and that kicks off maybe. 20 minutes of just vignettes of characters walking around the ship. Uh, having hallucinations and, you know, perceiving things that aren't there, uh, getting freaked out, uh, the works, you know? Like, this is your emo crewman working with Jordy on the Bretagne, hearing voices on the ship. Jordy has to tell him 
That's not how it works. A random fight thrown in between Keiko and O'Brien just to like remind you that they hate each other's guts but are nonetheless married. Uh, O'Brien going to drink in 10 forward and a crewman telling him ghost stories. Uh, just, a, just a bunch of fun odds and ends. It's weird how little you see in all these vignettes, right? It's all, it's all telling and never showing. Mm-hmm. Even Miles and Keiko's telenovela scene is, is like, <laughs> is Miles accusing Keiko of something that we never see, have never heard about up until now, and we'll never hear about again? Yeah. Like, it, the, uh, the Ensign John Mulaney character on the, on the Bretagne, like, does the same thing. He's hearing stuff, but we don't really hear it the way he does. If this was a true haunted house story, you'd think we would see a little bit more, but all we see are reactions, and I don't feel like that was particularly effective in in raising the tension for me. Did that work for you? No, and I think you really hit the nail on the head. It's all telling and no showing in this episode. Yeah. Like once once we've gone through that series of vignettes, they're just having a McLaughlin group and Issue one. Data's like, here is the type of space rift we are stuck in. Like there's no moment of discovery with that. Yeah. Um, they've just got to figure out how they can make a big enough explosion to get out, which is like the dumbest fucking solution you could possibly imagine. Then you like go back for some more weird experiences, you know, Captain Picard getting convinced that he's being crushed by the elevator, the doctor standing in the huge morgue and all the bodies sitting up all at once. Which uh, is a fun scene because she drops her iPad and I was immediately like, ooh, <laughs> that's $89 if she has Apple Care. Ooh. The doctor seems to be the only person on the ship besides Data like who, who can control herself with these waking nightmares. Like, she actually closes her eyes. Go away opens them again and and her her nightmare has subsided like yeah and that's the only version of that that we get everyone else seems to be pretty crushed under the weight of these things well the doctor like is the one that figures out what's happening it turns out that there is something wrong with the universe this time <laughs> yeah uh that's early in her kind of like like working through that i guess it shows her being dedicated to science in a way that many previous episodes have abandoned in her character. Yeah. Um, so that I thought that was cool, but uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 a bunch of scary moments, and it all leads to Captain Picard realizing that they're all basically losing it, and so he he calls Data into the ready room and is like, "We may need to count on you for our very survival." I think putting putting the ship in Data's hands may be the worst nightmare of all, Adam. Yeah, I thought he was on probation, but <laughs> I guess not. It is the craving principle of a dark meaty face. Now, if you can't find it within yourself, just stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. They do sort of a great passage of time here to, to demonstrate the way in which the crew is falling apart mm -hmm. over the long term. Yeah. And I think to me it's they've uh, they've just gradually turned down the water pressure day after day. <laughs> because you get some real terrible hair here as the days go on. Yeah. And that really shows more than anything just how unhinged everyone has become. I love like just like just through Riker's hair alone. Yeah. Like you can really <laughs> he see has the best hair. <laughs> <laughs> you can really see how fucked up things are. Like <laughs> like it goes from being like like perfectly quaffed to just like just a hot fucking mess 
It, he's like full Bernie Sanders by the end of this episode. <laughs> it really made me think about the hair and makeup person's job for an episode like this, because it's one thing to style bed hair. <laughs> it is quite another to style just unkempt hair Yeah. When, when it's a character that you know to be pretty put together. And whoever was on the scene for this episode did a great job. I think, I think uh, hair and makeup all around... Uh, deserves some credit for this one because I think yeah. a lot of the time when characters are supposed to look like fatigued or or like run ragged they really overdo it and they like they slip up a couple of times but for the most part like the transition is pretty subtle and pretty well executed and it's not like it's not like at the end when Picard needs to go back and freshen up to become Malibu Picard anew he doesn't look like a guy who's just super tired, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought they did a good job. Part of what's happening is that uh, there's a power drain on the ship. And, like, the lights have been turned down yeah. to compensate for this. And I think that helps save what could be not a great makeup situation if you're if you're putting bags under people's eyes and whatnot. Like, it helps sell it a little bit when mm-hmm. you're in when you're in the dark. Yeah. Another super exposition he's seen is when the doctor comes and has a prepackaged explanation for what's going on, which is that uh, for whatever reason, this Tykan's rift is causing them to not be able to get REM sleep, which is like, it's a necessary part of your sleep cycle, a real thing. And because they're not getting it they're they're starting to lose it. And unless she can figure out a way for them to get some sleep, we will all go insane. You can eventually brutally murder each other like the people on the Bretagne did. There's a fun brand of conflict between Beverly and Troy mm-hmm. over this whole REM sleep thing. Because every time Beverly brings it up around Troy, Troy is like, oh, I know, and my problem is exactly the opposite. <laughs> I've, I'm having super intense REM dreams, and they're nightmares. Yeah. And Beverly's like, great, like, good for you. <laughs> like 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 she's sort of trying to uh to cozy up and be someone who also has a problem but it's not nearly the problem that everyone else is having yeah it's like it's like that friend who's who kind of doesn't realize how narcissistic they are and yeah. always kind of turns your problem into a story about themselves right you know? it's like oh yeah you're breaking up with your girlfriend you know I uh, I dated a girl once and a uh, beautiful girl, but we we had pr- we had pr- problems of our own. And let me tell you, it was uh, it was sad times for me when we broke up. Anyways, good seeing you, buddy. There are a few great scenes of nonverbal acting with Gates McFadden where she'll throw Troy a look, like in one of these moments where yeah. it looks like she's gonna kill her. Like mm-hmm. Troy might be the first casualty here. <laughs> yeah. Knife through the chest. Um, Just pull her down by her hair. Yeah. She's like, I dropped my iPad about two days ago, and I'm really pissed about that. And now this? Uh-uh. So they've, they've got a plan, which is they need to make a big explosion. They they rigged up the ship to uh, put out a ridiculous amount of energy when they fought the Borgs. And so they're going to try and set up the same thing with deflector control, where they shoot a beam of energy into the Tykan's Rift and see if that does something. And so they uh, they get it all set up and uh, they pull the trigger and much like 
the Borgs episode, it doesn't do anything. It's wildly unsatisfying. And uh, Riker, Riker's like, "Can I say fire this time?" Picard's like, "No, <laughs> no, that's my I want to say it this time." <laughs> Can you imagine being Riker and this failing for the second time in like less than a year? He's got to be so crushed. Yeah, he's like, maybe this isn't actually a good <laughs> weapon after all. <laughs> Why do we keep doing this? <laughs> the camera pans up after this fails, and Worf is standing at the horseshoe, and he just looks so fucking, so fucking crestfallen, and. Wordlessly, he just heads to the elevator <laughs> and heads to his room where there is a table set out just out in the middle of his quarters where uh, there is a box with a knife in it, a dish, and a couple of beakers full of poison, I guess. He just has this shit out, like, ready to go at any time. And uh, he he puts the knife in the bowl and starts, to, like starts, like, treating the blade with some some of the standing by poison. <laughs> you can a, really understand why he sent Alexander to go live with his parents. Like yeah. his quarters is not child safe. Not child safe in the least. You, you go after a Frisbee and get a little bit of that in your mouth, you're done. You don't, you don't want to spill all that on your G.I. Joes. Uh, yeah. It's also right at the base of his wall o weapons, which I thought was fun. I don't know if we've seen that before. I, I know we've seen like a, a weapon or two here and there in Worf's quarters, but... This was an angle that shows that he has a wall that's just like like a collection of different bladed weapons. Worf basically lives in a shop class. Yeah. If you're going to hang bladed weapons on your wall, we recommend wearing eye protection at all times. We recommend using a pegboard with metal hooks <laughs> so that you securely affix your saw blades to the wall. All, all local hardware stores carry a nice pegboard selection, and there's really no wrong way to do it. Just as long as when you tug on them, they stay firmly affixed to the wall. Now your trash collector will come and pick up your old poison if you set it in a jug right next to your garbage can. Check with your local hazardous item pickup policy. In, so, in some municipalities, you may have to take these items to the dump. Yeah, so, like... Worf has got the knife, like, at chin level, ready to drop it in, and... Was he about to put it in his mouth? It almost looked like he was going to open his mouth and push the knife, like, into the, like, brainstem through the back of his throat. I have so many questions about how he was going to do this, but he's stopped in the nick of time by Troy, who does not observe a, uh, a door policy. She walks right in. Yeah. Well... I don't think that Worf's, the doors to Worf's quarters could be any easier to get through <laughs> because that dude has problems. <laughs> but she manages to talk him out of stabifying himself to death. And, uh, and she, like, escorts him to Six Bay. And then she is back to, like, telepathically communicating with the Betazoid. And she comes up with this idea that... He and she have actually been communicating with aliens that are also stuck in the rift. And the the dream she's having is, in fact, the, the telepathic communication that she's receiving. So she and Data meet with a super sleepy and distracted Captain Picard and come up with the idea that the 
the best way to get out of this is see if the Enterprise has something, some chemical that can be combined with what the aliens have to form a big enough explosion to blow the rift apart. Hey, do you want to make a great big explosion with me? <laughs> it, it, put, it puts the explosion in the basket. It does this whenever it is chilled, or else it gets the hose again. So they get to work on this, and they're looking through the different elements they have on board, and Troy's like, wait, stop, go back. And they've, they've scrolled past the element hydrogen, the most abundant element in the universe. And she's like, that's the thing I keep seeing in my dreams. It's not the binary stars. It's a hydrogen atom with an electron circling around a proton. So maybe the aliens are just asking us to give them hydrogen, because everybody needs hydrogen, right? And they come up with the plan, like, super last minute. Troy's going to go to sleep. She's going to tell the aliens, we're about to shoot some hydrogen at you. Get ready. And they put the plan in motion. They shoot out the hydrogen. And uh, they're just thinking it's not going to work when, voila, it works. Huge explosion in space. The Enterprise zips off and a unknown other alien ship zips off in the other direction. That we never see again. Curious about this ship. Because it's like, it's so unlike any ship we ever see. It's like a, it's like a ball of crystals or something. And I would have liked to get to know those aliens. That's, that seems like an interesting alien. Those weren't Hooshnack, were they? <laughs> no, Kevin. You got all of them. I promise. They're, they're free. Everybody's safe. And Data, and his last act as acting captain, tells Picard to go get a nap. The end. Space Madness really seems like a... You get a Space Madness episode every season, don't you? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. My, my, my love is a Did you like this episode, Ben? Yeah, I kind of like this episode. <laughs> kind of do too, because it's such a departure. It's like, so it's weird. not a surprise that you get this this episode in the same season as you get Data's Day. Like this is a fucking weird season. Yeah, the structure of the episode is basically like there's like four scenes where it's just densely packed exposition, and then a bunch of spooky vignettes, like yeah. separating them. And the spooky vignettes are all pretty good, I thought. Like, aside from the Keiko and O'Brien one, like, they're all pretty good. The show does spooky pretty well, but it's disappointing that they can't do scary at all. Like, yeah. the ingredients are there to make something scary. Space is scary. Yeah. An empty, derelict ship full of dead bodies is scary. And it's weird that it just never quite feels that way throughout mm -hmm. i think the i think as close as the episode gets is the scene in the morgue yeah where the dead bodies sit up because that's you're actually seeing something at that point the rest of it is just sort of headcanoned all the way through i think that scene really scared me when i was a kid it's a terrifying image you know yeah. when they cut to the wide shot and she's just surrounded by kind of shrouded bodies yeah i think it really shows <laughs> how fucking boring Miles and Keiko's relationship is because like <laughs> they're cutting around the ship from scary thing to scary thing and 
their moment to shine is a fight. <laughs> a, a fight where O'Brien believes Keiko's cheating on him. A fight that they could have had in any other episode yeah. when they weren't under some alien influence. I think they filmed it for another episode and it hit the floor. And then they just <laughs> they just forked it into this one. Yeah. They're like, well, this isn't quite spooky, but it is upsetting. <laughs> God, that... You could call this episode that. That's a great review. <laughs> Ding. Adam, I have something on my instrument panel. Want to make sure it's not a false reading. Should we check for some some uh, Priority One messages? Boy, that was just in the nick of time, Ben. I, I was holding a knife up to my own throat, wondering <laughs> if we'd have one of these. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental. 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 Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first and only Priority One message for this episode is of a personal nature, a personal pan Priority One message. (laughs) It is from Marie, and it is for Nilos. Ben, I I feel like every P1 message is another... (laughs) Hurdle of pronunciation to somehow jump across. I hope we got this one right. Yeah. Message goes like this. Hey, Nilos. Hope you enjoyed listening to this ep by two guys who give great pod. (laughs) It's very non-laddish, Rudy. Oh, man. I See, that deserves deserves some of your stink, Ben. Can you do that one? It's very non-laddish, Rudy. (laughs) Bet you're doing the gumbo dance right now. Thanks for never being a Sputnik while you work on your hobby. You're my favorite coolie buy ever. With you, life is never middle finger. <laughs> Lots of love for Marie, the GG, the Taz, and the Teeter. Hey, that was fun. I love these people that have as many esoteric jokes built on jokes in their own uh, relationships as we have in our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. These are our people. They're just like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a birthday message? Did you did you think maybe, or just a just a hey, what's up? Maybe uh, maybe it's just about gumbo. Like yeah. maybe maybe Nilos is just making gumbo, and this is uh, on the occasion of a of a nice dinner. <laughs> hey, I think that uh, any gumbo is worth celebrating with a P one. Absolutely. Gumbo is delicious. Well, if you have a a special meal coming up or a a holiday or an occasion you'd like to celebrate by having us read a message, uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to sign up for a personal message, which costs $100, and a business or corporate message for $200. It really helps us produce our show. It really does. Yeah. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a haunted Drunk Shimoda? (laughs) Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, my Drunk Shimoda in this episode is Data. And uh, it's from this scene where... I think it's the scene where Crusher is explaining to Picard that they're not getting REM sleep. And there's just this funny moment where she's kind of... 
you know, they're all pretty fucked up at this point, and she's kind of, like, forgetting words and stammering through this exposition. And it's just, like, boring exposition. And there's just this moment where Data is like, what the doctor's trying to say is blah, 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 blah. He's like, let me just get the rest of this exposition out of the way. And then we can get back to the episode where spooky things are happening. I wish he did that more often. I know. Uh, it just it cracked me up when uh, when it happened, and uh, I enjoyed it. How yeah, about yourself? A you have a Shimoda? I do, and it's sort of a moment, a Shimoda moment. Uh, the barroom brawl breaks out in 10 forward, and you yeah. can just sense that glass tables are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and like any good bartender would, it turns out Guinan keeps a shotgun <laughs> under the bar, and she whips out this brown gun... <laughs> Dials it up and shoots it at the ceiling. And what happens is one of the worst effect comps I think we get on the show. Yeah. There's like this weird glitter and smoke that comes off of the ceiling. Yeah. And it and it goes in front of and behind the wrong people when it when it cuts to the reverse shot of the group. It looks sort of like one of the default particle effects settings in like an after effects like like a particle system generator that comes out of the box in After Effects, not an aftermarket plugin. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the default settings is it's guy real video shoots rifle toaster. at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I have so many questions about this scene. Like, does anyone else know that she has this? Is, has Picard sanctioned this? Is this one of those <laughs> Steven Seagal under siege weaponized bartender on the crew situations? <laughs> Like, I love that she has an alien shotgun back there. I love that she will brandish it. Yeah. But there have been other fights in 10 Forward before. Where was she for those? I know. Why didn't she make an example of someone by shooting them with it? That would have been fun. I also would have loved to get the, like, shot of the guy reading a newspaper on the toilet in the on the a deck right above, just, like, <laughs> having a beam of light shoot up through the floor right between his legs. Tear the yeah. tear the newspaper apart and have him have his face revealed. That would have been a nice little comedic moment. It also breaks canon too because you remember in Star Trek Six when uh, when they shoot a phaser in the kitchen and they destroy that pot of mashed potatoes and the alarm goes off. Yeah, you aren't supposed to be able to discharge a weapon on a starship without all sorts of alarms going off. Evidently, yeah. Guinan's weapon is uh, is like made out of plastic or something, and it shoots something <laughs> that isn't detected by the computer. Oh, yeah, it's like that Clint Eastwood movie where he plays the uh, Secret Service agent. Yeah, yeah, the gun is made out of, uh, it's like 3D printed. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, that scene was amazing to me. And it was sort of a throwaway, but I loved it. There's a lot that's amazing about that. Good call, Adam. Darmok, Angelad, and Tanaga. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. 
And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode? Do we have any scenes as good as that one? <laughs> the next episode in the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation is episode 18, Identity Crisis. <laughs> Dr. Crusher races against time to locate a parasite that threatens to transform Geordi into an alien creature. Do you remember this episode, Adam? This crisis, <laughs> it will affect your identity. <laughs> Walken's here. You really walkened up that title of episode. Walken has entered the building. <laughs> We should do Walken title of episode every time now. <laughs> uh, uh, this uh, this is the Geordie bodysuit episode, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. I think uh, I think he gets full lobster claw in this one. God, 
It's like all they know how to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I, we have to see it. I like this one. I like a I like a Star Trek whodunit. You know, I confuse this episode with the one where everyone de evolves into like spiders and monsters and and like the whole ship does it. Yeah, I confuse that with this episode, which is not that. This just affects Jordy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a something that happened to him on a on a mission on a previous ship, and and uh, you know the biological forces at at work are so strong that nothing can stop him from developing lobster claws. <laughs> Great. Well, I am super pumped to see that. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's the Lobster Claw Trilogy, episode three. <laughs> Can't wait to see that Criterion Collection box cover. Yeah, we're going to have to... Uh... What's great about the Lobster Claw Trilogy is that the claw has three fingers. A right. trilogy has three episodes. Yeah. Put it together. That's great marketing. So in that is the are the two episodes with the traveler mushed into one? Yeah, I guess we're really talking about four episodes if we're talking about I think the traveler, traveler might episodes. come back another time too. They just can't quit the traveler. It's like, hey, this was like a B minus idea. Let's let's make it a a late motif across the entire series. <laughs> I feel like we have sold five or six B-plus ideas that never come back, and they keep hitting this fucking lobster hand thing over and over again. Well, it's it's a box set one way or another. We don't know how many entries there are in it. It's true. It's, a, it's one of those DVD cases with, like, a, a file of facts in the middle of it, just full of discs. You just add more discs to it, as many as you want. Yeah. Good times. Well, we don't have any any vetoes available, Adam, so that is what we will watch next. All right, I guess. I promise I will. And I promise that we will keep making episodes as long as everybody listening goes to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh, It's uh, the way that you can contribute to this show on a monthly basis and it uh keeps the lights on around here sorry the other way you have of supporting is by going to maxfunstore.com buying one of our hot selling t-shirts uh you don't want to be the last kid on your block to have a drunk shimoda shirt (laughs) and uh the sales of that uh help us help us produce this max funcon tickets just went on sale ben oh yeah who knows if they're even still available by the time this goes out yeah, they might not be. So we might end up editing this out, but if you are a fan <laughs> of this podcast, fun podcasts in general, or uh, or anything else that the Maximum Fun Network does, it is the thing I look forward to most every year. It is a fucking blast. They have two versions of it, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, information on that is at maxfuncon.com. Yeah, you're gonna uh, you're gonna want to do that if you have the means or want to uh, apply for one of their scholarships to go for free. Uh, Max FunCon is a real treat every year, and uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter using the hashtag #GreatestGen. I'm on there as at Cut for Time. Benjamin R is on there 
as at Benjamin R. <laughs> That's true. Coincidentally enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Dark Materia and Adam Ragusia for the music you hear during these episodes. And thanks to everybody who uh, left an iTunes review that wasn't a dickhole iTunes review that would make us look bad. Are we getting dickhole reviews again? Uh, yeah, we recently got one that... Uh, it was a five-star review that painted us as alt-right neo-Nazis, which I was like, "Is this? does this person think this is a funny joke, or are they, like, actually trying to make us seem like fucking monsters? Because either way, not cool. Like, I don't, I don't think that a podcast review is a appropriate place to call somebody a right-wing dirtbag. Unless ah. they, in fact, are. Like, we're the opposite of that. Well, and, if, and if we aren't the opposite of that, we are trying to be the opposite of that. Well, uh, my response to that is how I've responded to every bad iTunes review. I will encourage people to downvote that until the bubbles stop. Yeah. And, uh, and go leave nice reviews to bury it while you're downvoting yeah. it. Yeah. So, well, on that... <laughs> Upsetting note. Yeah. <laughs> we will be back at you next week. Upsetting note for an upsetting episode. Mm-hmm. We'll be back at you next week with a great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a little three episode of The Greatest Generation. <laughs> I like your lobster voice. <laughs> Boy, we really trotted out all the impressions this time, didn't we? Well, some of them. <laughs> Notice I didn't describe those impressions. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.